Again, good morning. So after 30 sermons on these six chapters in Ephesians, I didn't realize it was that many, but I felt better when I, I saw that some other guy did like 60 of them, so you're welcome. Uh, anyway, we're coming to the end of Ephesians today. We have the last little bit of it, and I, I hope throughout this process, I think sometimes we, we zoom in so close to it that we miss a little bit of the wide-angle aspects of it, that that we remember that this is a divinely inspired letter by the Apostle Paul to a church in Ephesus while he's in Rome, uh, a church that Paul loves dearly, that he misses. And, um, you know, those who were in Ephesus waiting for this letter, who received this letter, were, were Christians, ordinary Christians like, like you and I. They were men and women who were trying to make a living, trying to be able to put bread on the table to, to feed themselves, to feed their family, uh, they were trying to, to raise their children well, as best they knew how, to, to learn how to care for their fellow Christians in the midst of life. These were men and women who paid taxes and had to face people who they knew didn't like them on a, a regular basis. They uh, had to mourn and, and bury their, their loved ones when, when they would pass away. Uh, they lived their lives, and, and all the while they were trying to learn essentially what it means to be a disciple of the Lord, to follow Christ in this particular life that God had given them. And see, these Christians, like us, had, had this God-given conviction that God had done something absolutely glorious in the world. That's what we celebrate at Advent, Advent right? That he was uh, born in human flesh. But not just that, that he made himself uh, the sacrifice for the people that he was going to call his own. And that's why, you know, Christians, as, I don't know if you realize this, but we are the most blessed people in, in all the world because we are consciously aware of what is true in the world. Consciously aware of the glorious grace of God in Christ that has been bestowed to us. So I, I tell you that uh, this is one of the weirdest services you've ever been to. I know a few of you are visiting. We don't do this every time. Uh, but this morning we're going to do something a little different. We did this when we finished the book of Philippians as well. And we're going to read through the entire, not the entire Bible, don't worry, the entire book of Philippians. really didn't take that long. It's six chapters. You're going to realize once we get into this that it takes about 20 minutes. And, and you're going to realize that uh, we had a, the efficiency of pretty much the Israelites as they crossed the wilderness as we made our way through this book. Um, since it took us, what, 30 weeks to do so? Um, so I'm going to pray here in a moment, and then the way we're going to do this, Travis is going to come up and read the first two chapters, and after that, uh, Tim is going to read the next two chapters, and then I'll read the last two chapters, and we'll look at those last few verses uh, just, just shortly today. So uh, let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that your son Jesus came to dwell among us. I, I thank you also for the scriptures that we can hold in our hands, that we can hide in our hearts, that changes us, Lord, as, as we know your truth. I ask you give us great joy to finish this book of Ephesians today as, as we read through it. I ask that you would help us to see the, the wide angles of this letter. That you'd remind us of the things we looked at in great detail previously. And so Lord, I, I pray for all of us, knowing our own hearts, that you would give us old-fashioned attention spans this morning. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Travis? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom... We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and the nature, the children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And and raised us up with him and is seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, as he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which Christ prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that 
At one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made, by the fl- made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by the abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are afar off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I'm asking you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all, humili- 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, whom is over all and through all and in all. But, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended, far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful scenes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when every part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned in Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he might, may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as Christ and God forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetousness, covetous, that is, an idolater, he has no inheritance in the kingdom of, of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God 
comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one point you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to to God the the Father in, in, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his, his body and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However... Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same for them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the, the evil day, 
And having done all, stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that, to that end, <clears throat> keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know that I, <clears throat> how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. The grass withers and the flower fades. <clears throat> so, people are always wanting to be like the first century church. How do you like it? Uh, luckily, no one fell asleep and fell out the window in this case. But... Uh, <clears throat> We come to the end here. We're going to quickly look here at the, the last portion of it. Uh, in verse 18, he is kind of continuing on the spiritual weapons, the, the defense systems and, and whatnot that he's just mentioned in the previous section. And he gives us one more, but he compares it to nothing in our, our armory, right? Nothing that a Roman soldier would have even. He, he speaks about prayer. Um, prayer. One of the greatest tools we have as Christians. And the way he puts it is that we are to be praying in the Spirit. Uh, to, to pray in the Spirit is to pray in, in such a way that conforms to the will of the Holy Spirit. That conforms to the, the will of the Lord for us. The purpose of the Lord for us. And I, and I tell you that so you know this isn't some, some charismatic animated type, type of thing. This is, uh, when you read this in Scripture, understand this is a Christian thing. It's speaking uh, to you, to, to all Christians everywhere. And it's asking us, or it's telling us that in our prayers we need to be asking the Lord that, that He would give us a zeal and a love for God so that we might do His work in the world. So we pray like this because... Um, we might be able to make changes in our lives, right? Uh, your willpower can get you a little distance. Anyone who's ever tried to start a, a exercising or diet plan or anything like that knows you can go a few days on your own power doing just about anything, but we also know that we, we can't last that way, and we also know that we can't actually change our hearts. We can't change our affections. We can't change the things that we actually desire to do. You know, the, the things that your hearts actually find appealing what gives you joy you know the truth is i can't make myself love the word of god i can i can will myself for a while just to keep reading it every day right and there's, there's good in that but if i'm going to love the word of god and desire it and, and want it i'm going to need the lord to change my heart uh, same way i can't make myself want to help my neighbor sure i can do it get some sense of, you know, do-gooding, sense of feeling from it, but I can't absolutely make myself desire it. 
but God can change our hearts. He can change our affections, as uh, Jonathan Edwards often referred to him. And so we, we pray and we ask the Holy Spirit that he might actually do that in our lives, that, that we won't just by discipline read the word, but out of desire want to read his word, want to seek him, want to come and worship him on a Sunday morning. In other words, we're, we're asking God to make our affections for God and for his word to be stronger than our, our love of sin, whatever promises sin might be making. Like I said, prayer is one of the most powerful tools that we have, and that's the reason that Paul is, is pleading with him to pray. Uh, you look there in the, in the passage, you see that, that word in verse 18 to <clears throat> make supplication for all the saints. Saints meaning Christians, right? All who trust in Jesus Christ for faith. And, and, and what this means, though, this, this idea of supplication is um, to, to humbly ask or to beg for something. If you go look up the word supplication, that's the idea there. And so we are coming to God in prayer and we are, we are asking for our fellow Christians the needs that, the needs that they have. And the reason is, is because uh, we're, we're not given this massive supply of strength. You don't become a Christian and just go on your own from that point on, uh, you know, to resist sin or to speak boldly of the gospel. And, and, and what we need is a constant uh, renewal of that desire, that ability, that strength of the Lord to do it. Even, even just a walk in simple faith, we, we need the Lord's um, daily bread. We need God's strength. And so we need to be praying this for each other. I don't know how often you actually pray for the other people that you know in this covenant community, in this church body. Uh, but you ought to be, you know. Uh, we ought to be going to the Lord and asking for, for strength to, to resist sin, our, uh, sin ourselves, but, but also for others that are around us, right, that we know what's going on. Uh, to be praying for your brothers and sisters who you know might be, be fighting just the, the temptation of some bitterness as, as you know they're facing difficulties in their life or, or, or some opposition that is, is always there knocking on the door to stir up bitterness in their hearts. Uh, and so pray for each other. We also see here that Paul is asking them to pray for him specifically. Um, I don't know if you realize how amazing it is that Paul does this. Remember who he's writing to, the, the Ephesians, the uh, church in Ephesus. This is mostly Gentiles. This is, this is people who were outside the community of God. These were people that Jews wouldn't eat with. And yet here is the Apostle Paul asking them to pray to God for him that he might do the work of the Lord. That's how the gospel has changed this relationship there. I'll, I'll, I'll say the same for us, you know. Um, Pray for me. I don't know if I tell you that enough. It sounds self-serving. It is self-serving. But I really mean that. I, I want your prayers. I ask that you pray for our, our elders, for, for Travis and, and Tim as well, you know, that um, pray for the, the, um, that we'd lead well. Pray that the Lord would, would draw us to himself, that he'd keep us in the faith strong, that we might lead you well. And we ask that because we really believe that your, your prayers are powerful. That's the way God has called his people to, to work in this way. When he asks him to pray for him, he says this, that, that um, he, his prayer is, he's requesting is this, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of faith. And so pray also for, for everyone, right? But, but also I ask that you pray particularly for those who are going to stand up on a Sunday morning and, and preach the word to you on a regular basis. 
You know, in our, our context, that means that you're, you're praying for, for John Dunning and, and Travis and, and Tim and uh, Sam, Sam Casting and anyone else who's going to stand up and preach for you. But also, anywhere else, there are, there are those that are preaching all across this, this town and this state and this world. Pray for these men. <clears throat> um, pray for these, these pastors. You know, uh, every, every one of us, when we stand up here and preach, it, it could be the last time that, that someone's ever going to hear the word of God preached to them. That's the reality of living in a fallen world where, where death comes at random. Uh, the Puritan, Puritan preacher, I don't know if you've heard of him, a guy named uh, Richard Baxter had this powerful statement about that. He said, I preach as though never sure to preach again, as a dying man to dying men. And so pray that we not be confident in our speaking abilities, but that our confidence is always in, in the Lord's word. That our confidence is in the Holy Spirit to actually accomplish God's work. Um, I'll say this. Uh, I think this is true. It's obviously true of me, right? But I think that everyone who, who preaches faces this temptation to preach what you think people want to hear from you on some level. <clears throat> um, you know, and, and so pray that we'll be faithful to, to the word and, and that we preach not, not <clears throat> what we believe people want to hear, but we, we know that people need to hear. And by that I mean that we would preach what God in his word has actually revealed to be true. Uh, R.C. Sproul, who many of you know, went to, to be with the Lord this past week, um, had a great quote on this. He, he said this to his students. <clears throat> you are required to believe, to preach, and to teach what the Bible says is true, not what you want the Bible to say is true. So pray for anyone who's going to stand up and preach the word or teach the word. That they would do just that. Um, and so, you know, a simple way is I'm asking you to apply this by, by praying for us. You know, on Sunday or Saturday nights, Sunday nights will be too late, just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> on Saturday nights, though, you'd pray this way. Teach your family to pray this way. I, and nothing would make me more happy than to know that on a Saturday night, I, I can trust that you're, you're praying for whoever's going to stand in this pulpit and preach on Sunday. Um, something like Acts... 429, which tells us, grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Uh, and he mentions here that he's an ambassador. So is everyone who, who trusts in the Lord, all of us, right? And, and, and what this means is actually explained a little better in 2 Corinthians 520, where it says this, we are ambassadors for Christ, <clears throat> God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And that's the, the mystery of the gospel. He, he, seven times in this, this letter, he actually uses that word mystery. And, and what Paul is talking about is what God has revealed in Christ. It's not that it's still a mystery, but that it was a mystery, and Christ is that mystery revealed in, in the gospel here. And so um, the mystery then is that you know, we can have peace with God, that there is an eternal hope as we look to him with, with faith and we trust in him. <clears throat> then in verses... <clears throat> 21 and 22, Paul tells them that he sent uh, Tychicus. I can't pronounce words real well. Um, I believe it's Tychicus. Anyway, he's a, a brother in Christ, and he's been sent to actually inform them and to encourage their hearts. Uh, there was no postal service back then, and so the way you would get a letter is to hand it to someone and ask them to travel all the way to where they're going and deliver that letter. <clears throat> and he is most likely the person who, who delivered this letter, which is actually uh, fairly ironic uh, because his name is, in Greek, means lucky. Lucky. 
Uh, you think about this letter that you just heard read that we preached through, and as often as we have seen uh, the providence of God, as often as we've seen, you know, predestination as in this letter, it's kind of ironic that the guy who carries the letter is named Lucky. Um, so we can uh, imagine that uh, the reports of Paul to them would have been of incredible uh, encouragement to them. And, and reading this this week, and I had a coffee with, with John Donning, or maybe it was lunch, I can't remember what we were doing. Anyway, <clears throat> Uh, we were talking and, and we were realizing that, um, kind of disappointed that we don't often hear about the work that God is doing in, in other churches in our presbytery, meaning other PCA churches, our denomination in, in, uh, in the area. And, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, I would like to know what God's doing there. I think that'd be a great encouragement. And so I actually uh, left him, went home, and sent out this email asking this question. Uh, what was the most recent thing God did in the life of y'all's church that might encourage us to hear so that we can join you in, in rejoicing for you? And I'm, and I'm doing this. I want to read some of these answers, tell you some of these answers, because I want you to understand what it was like for that church in Ephesus to hear what God is doing as Tychicus was able to report it. He didn't write the letter, so we didn't get to hear it, but it was spoken to them for sure. Uh, Heartland, Heartland Presbyterian Church, or Community Church, in which it all said this. Uh, we've seen 34... New people joined Heartland this year, and we had two adults come to faith and, and be baptized a few weeks ago. That's happened in Wichita. Uh, Olathe, Kansas, a suburb outside of Kansas City, uh, New Hope Presbyterian Church, said, Back in June, the Lord prompted someone to give $600,000 to pay off our mortgage. And we're seeing young couples growing in their love for church and their willingness to serve. They're an older church, with an older generation mostly, so the fact that they're seeing that happen has been a great encouragement to them. Uh, Christ Prez in Kansas City uh, responded with this. They said, a covenant child professed faith, and an adult will hopefully soon take his membership vows. Uh, Redeemer in, in Overland Park shared that a, a covenant child who uh, had wandered away in, in, during her, her teenage years um, had uh, made some poor decisions, and yet the Lord has brought her back. Uh, and in fact, uh, this, this past Sunday, they were baptizing her, her newborn baby into the covenant community. Uh, and the relationship's restored with her parents and her church relationship, and it's just a beautiful picture of, of repentance. See, my, my prayer, and I, I'm going to stop there, there a few more, but they got kind of wordy. Um, <laughs> I would like to share these kind of things with you more often, and I'm, you know, we talking with the elders about finding a way in our service to be able to share these things more often. And my prayer is that we as a congregation would also be growing in the way that we, we bring to remembrance, that we speak these things, that we share with each other, not just from here, but actually across lines when we're interacting with each other about what is God is doing in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Uh, it is one of the most encouraging things when you can just hear the stories of what God is doing. Uh, finally, in, in verse 23 here, we, we see the benediction. Benediction is one of those words that sounds really weird to you. Um, all it means is good word. It's, it's a blessing. You can actually think of a benediction of uh, a wish you have for someone that's been turned into a prayer to God to provide that for them. And, and so we, we begin our service every single Sunday with this call to worship. And the call to worship um, is, is just a, a verse of Scripture that is where God calls His people to worship Him. And we end every week with another, another Scripture, uh, which is a benediction. It's a blessing that is on you. Uh, I think I mentioned this not too long ago. That's the reason some people put their hands out, right? That's not them being weird. They're, they're receiving the blessing that's being spoken to them is the idea there. So 
uh, just so you know. Um, and here we see in this passage grace and peace, faith and love. They're all mixed within there. These are the, the Christian values that Paul desires. It's his wish for them that he's turning into a prayer that, that, that would be true for all the saints. And he does this in, in all of his letters when he signs off. Um, you, you know in the, in the scripture, though, that, that peace, peace is, is not like the world thinks of it, right? It's just absence of stress or, or absence of, of war or, or whatever it might be. And in the scriptures, we understand that, that peace is uh, it's an enjoyment. It's a, a confidence in the gospel. It's a, 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 a joy that comes from uh, just the well-being that God provides to his people. And that's what he's, he's asking for, for the saints there, for the Christians there. And then finally, he ends with that beautiful statement, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Incorruptible means not susceptible to corruption. It won't, it won't erode, it won't disappear, it won't vanish, it won't go away. Uh, a love that is eternal and simply cannot perish or end. And, and what we find then is, is that the Apostle Paul here is reminding them, and he's reminding us as we read this, that God's peace and God's love and God's grace is for those and only those who genuinely love and, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? You've got to understand, this is, this is not a condition either, right? It's not conjure up the love and then you receive this. It's, it's not so much a condition as, as, as a cause and effect that those who have received the grace of God will love, do love, the Lord Jesus Christ with a love that's incorruptible. And so that's why he's praying this for them. Uh, you know, our, our, our faith in and our, our love for Jesus will persevere until our very last breath. That's, that's what he's pushing towards. That's what he's praying for. So if anything, this, this letter has, has taught us a great deal about God's love for us. It has taught us how to love God in return, and it's taught us how to love one another well. And I know very well that you're going to not remember all the details of everything uh, we have preached through. I get to Tuesday or Monday some days and can't remember what I preached on Sunday, uh, to be fully honest, you know. Um, but what I do find is when I open up and I read the passage, it all starts to come back to me. What I do find is, is that the, the things that have been learned in these passages actually continue to be, be fruitful in my life. And that's my prayer for all of us, that, that the things that we have learned in this, this, this book of Ephesians would continue to bear fruit in our lives even as we go on from here. So we ask that uh, God would make us bold to proclaim the, the grace that we find in the gospel to all who need to hear it. Uh, let's pray.